Bearcat Bounce Podcast back at it again. You know, I there's only really one thing we can do on this week's episode, Aaron, and that is to just continuously sing John Brandon the happy birthday song on loop because there's not much news around the uh, world of, of Cincinnati Bearcat sports other than it being John Brandon's birthday. So if, if your pipes are ready, we can, I mean, we can start the singing right now. I didn't ask for any of this. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> well, well, that was the original plan. I had it. I literally wrote a whole script for you to sing word for word, because I know you have different variations to the birthday song yourself. I feel like there's copyright laws or infringements or something like that on, on, on even the birthday song. I put a little twist to it. It's, it's, it's like a homemade original. Like Friday's I brought, I brought a ukulele out. I was going to bring that, strum it a little bit, kind of get everyone in the mood for what was going to be just, just an hour and a half of happy birthday, John Brandon. Happy birthday to you. Da-dum, boom, 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 boom. With the ukulele, but then before you know it, as is the case when you're on the beat and when you are a fan of Cincinnati sports, something drops. All hell broke the loose. The Bearcats drop. I mean, we even started a mailbag for for crying out loud, a BBC <laughs> mailbag. I mean, we will get to those questions hopefully later in the podcast. But an absolute giant gift was given to the BBP just hours before. And it's, that a good is, thing, it's a good thing we recorded today and not yesterday. <laughs> right. I think it's uh, it's kind of how, you know, that forward thinking, that that uh, crystal ball, if I were to use a 247 sports comment, the crystal ball that we all own in, the, in our heads. We kind of knew something was going to pop today. And pop, it did. Marcus Freeman gone, obviously. Now, welcome a familiar wow. name. Wow. Yes. Reportedly. Reportedly, Yes. It has yes. not been, it is not done yet. He is what still listed. Say, right. He is still listed will, on Michigan State's website. Wikipedia says. <laughs> what I will say For, is. Yes. Pete Thamel's sources inside the University of Cincinnati are pretty good. Uh, <laughs> I do not doubt Pete Thamel's report, but I don't believe anything is uh, signed, Set. sealed, and delivered yet. Wikipedia but, said it was done, Chad. I'm smarter than Wikipedia. <laughs> Wikipedia was not a viable source in college. You were not allowed to use them on your works cited page. It was very bad when I did one time. Yeah, you, you, know can, who you, you know who you can use on your works cited page in college? Bearcatjournal.com. Chad Brendel specifically. Oh, okay. I like that. <laughs> Dropping the hammer early. But it, like is, it, it is not uh, official yet. It is reported to be happening. But as I said, uh, Pete Thamel is reporting it. He's usually right. So I would lean in that direction far more than I wouldn't. Have, have we even said the name of, of this uh, guy yet? Um, it, is, it is Pete Thamel, per reports. Mike Tressel. By Pete Thamel. Mike Tressel. Yeah. Mike Tressel. Defensive coordinator for your Cincinnati Bearcats. Aaron, I'm going to immediately give you the rock and tell me what your initial thoughts were. I I like the hire. I mean, you're looking at a guy who has been successful on as a co-defensive coordinator up in uh, up at Michigan State. Uh, he's he's had the reins up there. I mean, he knows what's going on as far as defense goes. He's had some very well ranked 
defenses by the end of the season anyway. Uh, I think as high as nine uh, nationally, if I'm not mistaken. And I, I, I think it's a it's a good hire. It's a, a nice little welcome back story if you can get past what happened 15 years ago. So I, I'm excited about the hire, and I want to see what he can do here. Yeah, you know, my my uh, first thoughts are because because we're going to let here here in a second we're going to have a, a up close and as close to the true story as you can get without asking the main source himself we're going to get a a point of view on exactly what did happen and so but my first initial thoughts are first off Aaron neither of us are old enough to truly be able to stomach and understand exactly what did happen you speak back for yourself the day, there. I was, back I was during those college. times. Yeah, well, I, well, good, good for you. I, I was not <laughs> yet. I was not yet. I, I will say my, my aunt and uncle, their next door neighbor was Mark D'Antonio. So there's that connection there. D'Antonio was a great guy. I liked him, but he also left pretty quickly as well. You know, the whole Brian Kelly situation. The way that I look at it is, I take a step back and I say, listen. Mike Trestle, yes, he was named defense coordinator. Yes, there is some baggage for one thing that he did during a certain exit. But this is still Luke Fickle's program. This is still Luke Fickle's team. This is still a, a, a group of players and a staff of coaches that is led by one man, and that is Luke Fickle. And you, you'd name one person that is more loyal to the University of Cincinnati right now in the country – outside of probably the BCJ staff, and that's going to be Luke Fickle. That 100% is going to be Luke Fickle. Consider the fact that he's in on all of their other coach hires at this point. I mean, he's very big in the entire athletic program, not just the football program. Yes, yes. But, of course, the if, if you read off the accolades that Mike Trestle had, you, you, you read off everything that he has done as the – defense coordinator and co-defense coordinator. I mean, you're looking back as close as 2018. I mean, Mike Trestle was an absolute animal in 2018, the number one rush defense in the country. We're talking number one in the country in 2018. And in the Big Ten, that's no slight. I mean, Big Ten traditionally has large offenses. And, and you're talking the number eight scoring defense in the entire College football, number eight on third down, number 10 total defense in 2018 when he was the defensive coordinator in the Big Ten, as you mentioned, Aaron. Like, these are not just stats that you throw out, and it's nothing. I mean, I think this is as great of a hire as you can make, just looking at from that perspective, but there is that one big thundercloud hanging over all of it. And I think there's no better time to pass it off the the owner of BearcatJournal.com, he was able to get a a firsthand account, not not his firsthand, but as firsthand as you can get. And Chad, Brendel, back in 2006. Okay, so let me preface all this by saying, uh, I I had just literally I started at what was then Bearcat Layer mm-hmm. in December of 2006. So, and, and at the time, Bearcat Layer was more the basketball site. Bearcat Insider was the football site. Uh, Dave Burke and Tim Adams ran that. Uh, as everybody here knows, or most people here know, Tim Adams came over 
uh, and formed Bearcat Journal with me uh, in 2013, 14, something along those lines. They were, Tim was directly covering things. And, and I've talked to a couple people about the, 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 cause I wasn't, I mean, it, I wasn't really dialed in to the football program four days after I got the job. Right. So, um, <clears throat> I, I've talked to some people, Tim Adams being one of them, because I wanted some clarity on what had happened. Um, as I suspected, things have kind of taken on a life of their own over the last 15 years. But the general consensus was, one, Mike Trussell didn't handle himself well um, in that environment when he basically got word that he was going to be headed to Michigan State with Mark D'Antonio. You got to remember, uh, Trussell family, very big in the Big Ten. Uh, that is their lifeblood so to speak mm -hmm. and he apparently was running around the office uh rejoicing three trestles in the big 10 that didn't go over well with a lot of folks because in a time where a coaching change is happening there are a lot of people that are uncertain about their job future right that that aren't certain if they're going with D'Antonio, are they going to try to stay here? Will the new coach, whoever that gets hired here, um, keep them on? Remember at this time, Pat Narduzzi was trying to land the UC job. This mm -hmm. is, you know, right before, obviously, Brian Kelly was, was hired. There's a lot of uncertainty in the building. And running around gloating uh, is not going to make you a whole lot of friends. Mm-hmm. But my understanding was he was not disparaging the university. He was not taking shots at UC. He was not taking shots at the city. He was acting what you would probably consider immaturely. Um, he was not handling things uh, in a, what would many would consider a professional manner. It upset quite a few people, especially uh, UC people that were in the building that were UC people that weren't expected you know weren't looking to move to michigan state with mark d'antonio you know people that work in the offices people that work around and a lot you know some of those people that are still around uh to this day so it definitely rubbed people wrong i understand a thousand percent why it rubbed people wrong i think it is the wrong way to have handled things back then yeah. uh i also think that it has kind of taken on a life of its own um, I know Cincinnati folk and being one of them, um, are quick to feel disrespected, which I understand, especially 2006 in the college football world, which would have been before the rise of Brian Kelly and the Bearcat program from the ashes. Um, I, I get why a lot of people felt that was, uh, not the right way to handle yourself in that situation. My guess is, uh, in a private moment, Mike Tressel would probably tell you that he didn't handle it properly when he was 32. Now that he's 47 with some, you know, uh, hindsight on the process. But I think a lot more is being made out of it than, uh, than what, compared to what actually happened. That is not to say 
uh, people don't have a right to kind of feel slighted by how that played out. Because I think you do. Like, I I think, you know, the way that it was handled was was not ideal. It was not, uh, you know, a a super professional way to handle yourself Mm -hmm. in that situation. I get why people are upset by it. Uh, But I think it's important for us to do everything we can to set the record straight. If I would have gotten word that that he had taken shots at UC in the city, I would I would be commenting on that right now. That is not my understanding of what happened. It was a celebration for him that he was getting, you know, kind of that dream scenario for himself of getting to the Big Ten and coaching where his dad coached and where his uncle coached. Um, so I, I get it kind of from from both sides. Uh, so I, I understand where people are coming from while also thinking maybe it's wise to kind of reconsider the entire story uh, now that we're, we're getting more of that entire story and not relying on rumors and innuendo from 15 years ago that shaped a lot of uh, opinions. I, I will also say there, there very much was a reason why Mike Tressel was on my hot board. Uh, the third name listed on my hot board. I think we all can agree uh, that, that Chris Ash was probably the direction that this would have gone if Chris Ash wanted the job. Right. Uh, Chris Ash decided to go to Jacksonville with Urban Meyer mm. and, and take his shot at the NFL. But what have we talked about over the past 10 days in terms of who took this job and how important it was for this job to be filled by somebody that is going to, to have the capability of taking an outstanding defense and cranking it up a notch. I have spoken with um, a couple players from around the city that have been recruited or have have had contact over the years with Mike Tressel when he was at Michigan state they have spoken very well of him. Um, and these are guys I, I think would shoot me straight if they had something bad to say. They have all been very positive. They all think it is a good hire for the UC program. Uh, he has a, a solid reputation around the city. He recruits Ohio well. He recruits Michigan well. He has contacts in places similar to Marcus Freeman, Columbus, Northern Ohio, city of Cincinnati. Um, I think it is a pretty seamless transition. Now, we won't know yet what he thinks about the 4-3. He's a 4-3 guy. He's been a 4-3 guy. Right. What are his opinions on the 3-3-5? Would he be more of a nickel 4-2-5 guy? <laughs> I think we have seen, and especially in this conference, uh, you're going to probably need an extra DB on the field. So it'll be interesting to see what he thinks about that. That'll be something I'm sure in due time, if he is officially the guy that gets the job, you know, what his opinions are on that. But uh, first and foremost, important for the beginning of this podcast, I think, to set the record straight in terms of what actually went down that everybody's so mad about. Because I think there's a lot of people are mad about things that didn't actually happen. And getting that out there, I think, is, you know, critical. And I, and I do want to stress, this is not coming for me because I was not there at the time. I was not around the program. I was not reporting on the football program at that point in time. This is coming from people that were around the program 
this is coming from people that have a knowledge and understanding of exactly how that situation went down, why it, you know, ruffled so many feathers, rightfully so. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not taking the stance of he did nothing wrong because I think handling it the way he did wasn't great. But that's also now a decade and a half in the past. He was 32. I mean, I I do bonehead stuff all the time at, at 36. We know. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, not quite to 32 yet, but I can tell you what, if uh, man, I got to have some sort of a day of reckoning if I'm going to be be a model citizen at, at the age of 32. But yeah, you, you know, Chad, hearing all that, I think you just go back to it's it's sort of like that game of telephone, you know, where you hear the story and then it gets passed and passed and passed along and it just gains more legs, as you said, more more details get thrown in that probably weren't there, more more words get thrown in that probably weren't there or weren't said. So to hear it kind of as close to that main source in the telephone game as possible is extremely important because you know, this is a, a machine that's that's currently taking place at Cincinnati right now, and it's adding a, a very big piece. I mean, defensive coordinator is what you call it, second, third in line. Um, it's it's one one spot that, you know, yes, it's not going to be taking the line like what Luke Fickle had. You know, Marcus Freeman was just a, a great person and, and great to talk to. I mean, you you go, you watch some some interviews with Mike Tressel over the past few years at Michigan State. He is very eloquent as well. He speaks well. He is he knows what he's talking about. I think if if given the right chance, he's really gonna have a lot of people kind of kind of you know toward the side of okay, yes, let's give him a try. Let's see how he does this time around. But it's also going to help with recruiting. You know, you touched on it a little bit. And out of all the players that he was primary and secondary on, I believe there was about 65 listed on 247's page that were that list Mike Tressel as the primary or the secondary coach or recruiter on each recruit. 35 of those are from the state of Ohio. I mean, you're you're talking about someone that has just deep, deep roots in the state of Ohio, especially northern Ohio, and really has the ability, what Coach Fickle says, just that 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 radius around the University of Cincinnati to bring in these players and kind of teach them and show them the right way. And I, I mean, it, when it comes down to that, just that bare bones, and, and then also the ability on top of it to keep the, the top level defense that they have coming back, rolling on all cylinders. I think it's, it's as, as good of a hire as you could possibly make, you know, obviously the Chris Ash thing fell through, but this right here is, is, I, you know, it just, just the bare bones of it without that big backstory that you were able to kind of clear up a bit you got to walk away and say, wow, this is, this is a really good hire for Luke Fickle and the Bearcats. With the right apology, I think this can all be water under the bridge relatively quickly. You hope so. You hope so. I, that's, that's the best thing about Cincinnati fans is that we are so loyal. Like it is, you know, you do, you do a couple things to go against the university and to go against, you know, the school and it's it's going to take. I, I think it'll take a little bit more than just an apology. I you know I think that could be the start of it, but I think it's going to be more. Okay, you apologize, but now you know people are going to question his his you know affinity towards the the university. And of course, how is he going to be able to recruit if he has these negative images of of the team and and of the program? But 
as Chad also mentioned, this is 2006 when he was last here. I mean, think about the program now, the current exact state of it compared to what it was in 2006. I, I mean, they just had a, had a fantastic win against Rutgers. You know, it was kind of, you could argue the height of the program at that point up to 2006 might've been right at that moment. And it was not even that high. You know, it wasn't like you weren't looking at a, a potential BCS breaker or a potential college football playoff breaker that they are now. So I think the entire perception of the program has changed. And I think, you know, someone like, like a Mike Tressel will, it's going to be like a lot of other people and kind of see, wow, what's going on in Cincinnati is real, especially considering he recruited, against Cincinnati a lot the past four years and so, has constantly tried to go up against him. So we do have some news. Ready. Newsy news. Ready. The the Savage Seven is is a thing of the past. Done. All of them are out. Melvin Jordan, four star linebacker from Florida, has decommitted from the University of Cincinnati. Uh joins Bobo Masters who today uh somebody asked him a question on his Instagram. Yep. If he was still committed to Cincinnati and he basically said, hell no, uh, I think pretty safe to say that'll close the door on, uh, on, on Bobo uh, being a, a factor yep. going forward. Um, well, well, Hey, shout out to, to here's, here's Melvin Jordan due to the coaching staff change at the university of Cincinnati, I will be decommitting and fully reopening my recruitment. No love lost. Thank you for recruiting me coach fickle. So here's, here's a, a quick shout out though to final four bound for his uh, mailbag question that he inserted. And, and I quote, do you have a sense about how strong the commitment is from Jordan and masters? Well, how about that? breaking news live quick. Yes. That, that Bobo masters Instagram post when asked if he was still committed to Cincinnati, his response. And I quote, hell not. Nah, if we being honest. So you add that with the Melvin Jordan, who, I kind of thought was the one out of the three that was sort of the strongest still towards Cincinnati. He was still liking, you know, Cincinnati posts. He was still, you know, saying things about certain commits, but Hey, his tie was with Marcus Freeman. Like right. if we're being yeah. honest, oh, oh, Makes for sure. sense. I mean, he is so, a linebacker. He's a linebacker. Yeah. Freeman was recruiting him. Right. Like this is not a shock. It is also not a shock that kids that are 11 months from like signing somewhere uh, are, are already, if they've already committed and decommitted somewhere else. Yeah. That they're decommitting from you as well in the midst of coaching changes. And let's be honest, we didn't, you didn't really think any of those guys were going to stick. Did you? Uh. (laughs) Man, some of their bad. We know. Wait, that's a bad. We know Brent thought that all of the all seven. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Some of their some of their backstories. You had to just you 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 could kind of read the tea leaves where you know you you flipped from you know three different high schools and now all of a sudden you're flipping from a couple different colleges. I mean, is that? You know, history is, uh, I mean, is a good teller for future actions. To compare it to basketball, look at Samari Curtis and and how many times did that dude change his mind before he finally landed somewhere? It's it's usually not a good sign when you're on your fourth high school and your your second commitment. Yeah. Uh, before you even get to the summer, heading into your senior year. 
that's not to to take a shot at any of them, but that yeah. is that between, is between the lines, sure. High level recruiting in the South. That's how it works. Like and, and that's you, how you it also works. you also think they kind of maybe did what their objective was. I mean, they got a lot of talk about themselves for being, you know, high, highly ranked, some of them highly ranked three stars. And of course, you know, Melvin being that, that higher four star, all of a sudden they're getting a lot of talks to talk about them. I, I mean, you saw Mumu decommitted and he's gotten six straight commitment, you know, offers, which are, you know, lower schools, but still it's, it's kind of just, Maybe it opened up eyes a little bit more to these these players because, of course, if you're going to make a, a move like that and create this savage seven, and you're going to get some noise around you and and some some forward momentum. But good to see uh, that we can put that to bed. Sad to see actually that we can put that to bed. But the savage seven will be something that goes down in infamy, like a red helms and and different uh, storylines of so. But Great that we got the breaking news to answer that mailbag question. Thank you, Final Four Bound, for the question. You must be a fortune teller yourself. But back to <laughs> Trestle. You know, when it comes to recruiting, you do want a little bit of faith and a little bit of affinity towards your school. Aaron, do you get the sense that, I mean, Trestle was a high-level recruiter. I, I mean, one of his first primary coaches as a recruiter for was one Le'Veon Bell, I think he ended up being pretty solid at Michigan hear, State yeah. and, and and decent in the NFL. So what do you think as far as kind of that perception of how long is he going to be at the school? Kind of just the perception of Trestle itself when it comes to recruits wanting to come and play for the Bearcats. Well, I think you have to kind of go back to a conversation that we had last week when we talked about, first and foremost, the fact that whatever guy that Luke brought in, it wasn't going to be the first time that he had done something like this before it wasn't going to be his first rodeo essentially at the helm if you will um so obviously he has some quite quite a a resume as far as recruiting goes uh so i think that kind of puts him higher on the list if people are wondering why he was hired maybe over some other people um so i think that was certainly something that was taken under consideration but as you're talking about you know how long is he going to be here or something like that um i think that you have to consider the fact that you know, he had been at least at Michigan State under their new coaching regime. Um, he had kind of started moving the other direction as opposed to, uh, you know, ascending through the ranks. Uh, he did manage to stay on under the new coaching regime as opposed to some of his uh, prior uh, colleagues. But it didn't look like it was going the right direction. That said, I mean, I don't know how long he's going to be here. I don't know that it's necessarily one and done, um, but I don't know that that maybe isn't the case either. I think time will uh, – kind of tell the story itself, but I don't know what to expect as far as his, his tenure being here. I'm just kind of excited to see how this first recruiting class under him goes on the defensive end and where they end up going. I, you know, I think it's going to be a lot with this first year, as Chad mentioned, kind of more, more known as a four, three coach, if he's going to be able to kind of adjust. I, I mean, you look at the big 10, they started, you know, recently, just like all college football going to the, you know, the spread attack and, and different, you know, throwing the ball over the place where before that you think of big 10, you think of the, you know, the, the Iowa's and the Wisconsin's just, just, you know, line up and get two tight ends out there and a fullback and see how much yardage we can pick up on the ground. And he did a great job taking away what the big 10 is known for. And that's just a ground and pound game. And he, he produced some of the best rushing defenses 
in college football. So the question is, is he going to be able to now flip to what is known in the AAC, more of a, a pass-happy attack, more of a widespread where you do need to get out with a 3-3-5 or, you know, a 4-2-5. But it will be interesting to see his first initial attack at that. But I think that's where you have the abilities with Luke Fickle to kind of let him know, hey, we, we love having a little bit of a 4-3 thrown in, but this is what we're seeing offensively. But I think that you're going to get a little bit of a mix of both in the first year. I don't know if, if it's going to be complete overhaul because you're taking away, you know, a, a rising Ty Van Fossen possibly at the second level. You're, you know, taking away Arquan Bush, who's arguably one of the best, you know, cornerbacks in the entire conference, one of the best in the country. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see exactly which – route they go with in that opening year. I think we're finally going to get to see 100% whether this is Luke Fickle's defense or whether he really does give the reins to his defensive coordinator. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he uh, did give the reins to Freeman. I I don't know. I think it'll Freeman be... had to earn that, though. Yes, right. He That was not just like, here's the keys to the car, son. Would you see, Would you say Navy was when he started to really earn it? As some people mentioned, um, or no, I think it was just a, a general overtime okay. process from seeing how he handled things that first year, which I, there wasn't really anybody that handled things well that first year, to right. seeing him progress over the second year. Um, I would say it kind of like was a, it was just a gradual, you know, more and more. I think you're ready, so I'm giving you this extra responsibility. And you pass that test. Now I'm giving you that extra responsibility and you pass that test. I don't think it was just like there was one specific moment where the light switched and Luke was like, oh, no, here you go. All yours. <laughs> right. I'm out. <laughs> right. I agree. I, so, so here's the thing also when you think about it. I, I think it will be a little bit more of an all hands on deck approach, at least in the beginning, because you do still return, you know, scrugs on the defensive line. You still have Hitler and and Perry Eliano with the defensive backs. You still have, you know, Brian Mason, who is who's with the snipers and of course special teams. So and, and of course Fickle. So I think it will be more of an all hands on deck approach when it comes to it. Maybe not just the play calling itself, but you know, a lot more people talking and having open air to speak just because of you know a new face coming in, but still all these all these faces returning on the defensive side with all those players. But let's not forget there was a rumor that was being kicked around by Chad himself that Luke Fickle may have been taking over as defensive coordinator. So how much reality was there to that, Chad? It was – I think people mistook what I was saying there. That was me talking to some people um, in light of that was right around when the Ash News was kind of circling that, that he was not going to be an option. And it was a, a conversation I had with somebody that I, I wouldn't necessarily consider, like, deeply connected to the program, but somebody that's uh, – around the lender center enough that they, they know, you know, things that are going on. And it was more just like, a. do you think that this is something that could be a possibility? And the more I thought about it, it was like, well, if, if the hire stays in, you know, if they, if they stay in house with everything, it makes sense that Luke would, you know, take over the lead responsibility, especially, for a roster that's going to look like next year's defense looks like. And that, that also assumed that like uh, if, if Mike Denbrock returns and 
now you're looking at an offense that you can pretty much just set on autopilot. Well, not necessarily set on autopilot, but that doesn't have to be like uh, micromanaged by Luke Fickle per se. That it made some sense, that it was something that when you look at it, you know, you could see where Luke Fickle would be in a position to uh, take over a larger responsibility uh, as a defensive coordinator. But I, I think that was really only fully in play if they they missed on whatever outside hires he felt were uh, a good fit. Missed on Chris Ash. 36 hours later, we get word that – or 24 hours later, we get word that, that Mike Tressel is reportedly the guy. I think we're getting a pretty clear understanding of how that that pecking order went in terms of uh, Luke Fickle's list, Luke Fickle's hot board, if you will. Yeah, I you know so so think back when Mark D'Antonio took over at Michigan State for you know the thoughts of of you know when when Mike Tressel as far as his time here you know he he brought he did bring Pat Narduzzi with him and Pat Narduzzi stayed as the defensive coordinator for eight seasons. After that eighth season, it was then Mike Tressel, who was a GA under Mark D'Antonio at Cincinnati and at, uh, pardon me, at Ohio State, and then went with him to Cincinnati and then joined him at Michigan State. There's a similar coach currently on the Bearcats staff who has done a similar path as what Tressel did underneath coach Mark D'Antonio, and that is Brian Mason, who was with coach Fickle at Ohio State, followed him here to Cincinnati, was a special teams coordinator now, and slowly but surely, I think you continue to follow that lineage and have, as long as coach Fickle stays, I think you continue to see the, the pedigree and the rise of Brian Mason as a coach as he takes in as much as possible. So, you know, the, the in-house objectives of having Brian Mason be a co-defensive coordinator. It's not like those are completely put to the wayside. It seems as if things are just continuing to follow in the right path. And I think down the line, I'm not a fortune teller or anything of that sort, but I do believe the the projection of Brian Mason having a larger role with the team could be a down the line thing, kind of like what Mike Tressel had under Mark D'Antonio at Michigan State. So that's interesting to look at. But first things first, Mike Tressel was a beast as a linebackers coach at Michigan State. I, and that you have two returning senior linebackers next year. And Darian Beavers was an animal at the end of the season. He was a, a player that looked like he was getting better with each game. I, I mean, if Aaron, if you are a linebacker on the team right now, you have to look at the, the abilities that, Trestle had numerous all Big Ten performers at linebacker, numerous linebackers in the NFL. You know, you're talking all Americans at the linebacker position as well. You have to be a little bit excited to see what Trestle could exactly do for you at this next level. I think you got to be excited as a linebacker coming in this year for several reasons. First and foremost, you're talking about a program that is in the way too early top 10 for a lot of beat writers around the country uh not to mention the fact that you were i mean you were in an ny6 bowl this past year 
and you have a lot of big pieces coming back for next year. So you are going to be under a national spotlight as a linebacker for Cincinnati, as any position player for Cincinnati, for that matter. So now you have a, a guy coming in who's had a ton of success, especially in the, you know, stopping the run. And as a linebacker, after having seen what Jarrell White did last year, I mean, the sky's really the limit for anybody who's you know, trying to do everything they can out there. Yeah, David Jones, Jaheim Thomas, you know, Sean Pace. You're you're talking about all of these linebackers that are were considered high high level recruits in that infamous 2020 class, the best in program history. And now you have a chance to be with a coach that is not it's not Marcus Freeman. You know, don't 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 get it wrong, but it's a coach that has had pedigree and has you know gone up against. I one of the interviews I watched today with Trestle was when he was talking about trying to slow down Derrick Henry in in Alabama in the college football playoffs. And, you know, sure, it didn't go Michigan State's way in that game. But <laughs> but you're but you're talking about a, a coach that had to prepare for a college football playoff and stop arguably the best running back in the world right now back back during his Heisman season. I, you know, that is a coach that has been through battles at the highest level. And that that experience within itself is is completely you there's nothing that you can do to really level up to that so i think that within itself is something to really just take a step back and say wow this this coach has seen it just like coach fickle has seen it you know it's it's going to be fun to see what he's able to do with a defense that doesn't need too much tinkering you kind of walk into a situation that you know we were we were mentioning that chad aaron and myself could probably be a co 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 defensive coordinator and and bust out a top 20 defense but you know this will be an exciting to see how he's able to really push forward what he wants while also holding on to the core which is a an absolutely fantastic defense with all of these returning players and the ones filling in for them for the those that have left are pretty doggone good themselves Mike can keep saying though I mean it's this defense is going to have Luke Fickle's fingerprints all over it much in the same way that it has the last couple of years so the guys returning the guys you know, new guys coming in, they all got to be excited about all this. So that is Mike Trestle. We're going to move on. Chad, you, you have anything left on, on Trestle? I'm, I'm sure you guys are going to break it down even more on the BCJ pod and things of that sort. But, I, I mean, come on, 22 All-Big Ten players, All-American accolades on four different occasions. Uh, I mean, this is a, this is a doggone good, uh, good hire at the defensive so so when you ask someone if they have something to say you usually just let them talk um yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm not good at that yet <laughs> no no uh you like to ask a question and then tell me what i should say before i say what i right right was right. gonna say yeah Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> we're it's we're teaching here as well as doing a podcast yeah um no i'm good you said it all you covered it good wow. job wow thanks <laughs> I'll pat my back if I could reach it. Much um, to learn, young Padme. <laughs> so, so we do have to touch on, obviously, the other coordinator position. Still in Mike Denbrock is still here. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is still, still a situation that he is the offensive coordinator of the Bearcats. But you go to, you know, the Vandy site on two four seven, which is about as barren as. You know Aaron's DMs, but um, it's Ouch. it's <laughs> jokes, jokes. But you know it's it's kind of a situation where I, when there's smoke, is there fire? I mean, you saw today 
the the reports of, of Dave Canales. I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong, Dave, who is uh, who was offered the job as the offensive coordinator at Vanderbilt, decided to stay in the NFL, and uh, looks like he was previously the quarterbacks coach in Seattle. I, you know, it just it's interesting. Um, so I want to bring something up that happened this week. Ready and. It was interesting to me when the billboards went up around the city. Okay. And they featured one Luke Fickle at the center with yes. Gino Gadouli and Scruggs there. Chad's going to turn it down pretty quick. That's that's fine. I mean, I'm not saying that Gino's the guy. I'm just wondering if Denbrock has lost favor. I don't know. No, there was the it, it was a the whole reason for those billboards was because Thursday they ran the annual Cincinnati Blitz where they call every high school in Cincinnati. Okay. The billboards were designed with that in mind and featured the two coaches that are local, Gino and Scruggs. There's your answer. So what, very is easy. It, is it, was, it represent it was, this city or protect right. the city? Um, yeah. You know, obviously Scruggs from St. Xavier, um, Pretty cool story about him was what well, the, he was a he was a band drummer I believe and he was a drummer in the Saint X band. He didn't start playing football until his senior year in high school. There you go. And I know he probably people, what I was just gonna say. I know local coaches were talking about Denbrock was making calls, so he was part of the blitz. It's not like yeah, he was he was the in the out. office working. Yeah, right. And then Gino, of course, from Kentucky, just right across the river, but heavy ties to Cincinnati as well. So. The, the talk is now at Vanderbilt, if if supposedly this whole meeting between Denbrock and 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 Lee or Clea, whatever his name was, sorry, the new head coach at Vanderbilt. Um, Clark Lee. Yeah. Lee. So if, if it really went that well, right, and all of a sudden you are seeing option number one potentially decide to stay in the NFL, does that then, then do a trickle effect? Chad did report that something was supposed to pop off. Today at Vanderbilt, maybe that was it, and it didn't go through. So possibly a wait-and-see approach on this, but for now it is Mike Denbrock still as the offensive coordinator at the University of Cincinnati. Who knows which way it's going to go because things seem to change pretty quickly around here. A lot of hurry up and wait. A lot of hurry up and wait. Um, so we will continue to track that. I, I don't think anything as of right now because – I mean, you go onto the Vanderbilt site and you've got a Notre Dame insider really being the one that's doing the heavy lifting there. So Wikipedia is not saying anything. No, <laughs> Wikipedia is still not the source we need in this situation, but it's still <laughs> not giving us much. But that's when we go to the next position. And I'm going to give a shout out to Bearcat Nation 11. Thank you for your question in the BBP mailbag. And it was, are there any other candidates for running back coach other than Mike Daniels? This is a Chad question, but I have my point of view after this. Aaron and Chad, have you heard any other names? I don't I've heard any, some. Anything. I've heard some ideas being kicked around. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that we've gotten to the point where guys have come in and interviewed. Right. Um, I know defensive coordinator was kind of the the number one priority on this thing initially. Mm -hmm. um, we'll see. I, I, I don't have any other names I can, can share yet. Right. But I know they were, they were 
looking around and seeing what options were out there uh, early last week. Kicking tires? Checking around, seeing, you know, it's every position, excuse me, every spot that comes open, had a Corito burrito tonight. Haven't had one of those in a while. I don't even know what it It is, but it sounds good. You don't know what Corito burrito is? Never heard. (laughs) It's, it's, It's a better Chipotle. Okay. Okay. I'll better, better, right. better ingredients, better taste. Ooh, uh, but it was, better ingredients, better pizza. Like it. It, was, it, it was. It was Papa John's. It was <laughs> spicy. It was. It it, it. 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 clapped. It was one of those you take about three bites and you're like, whoo. So, I'll. Yeah, uh, I'll. I'm, I'll say a prayer for your porcelain. Go ahead. I'm a little. I'm a little gassy right now. <laughs> okay. Um, but uh, where was oh, I? Oh, oh right. running back job. Um. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think, you know, something could pop off some at some point in time this week. Yeah. I uh, but I don't know if anything's super far down the road as of Monday, because uh, I don't think Fickle gets back into the office from his little non-vacation uh, until tomorrow. Well, CSFIA, so it, it, yeah, I think football scoop might have been someone who said that they're potentially getting ready to name the running backs coach, which, you could take football, that for football scoop also said that Marcus Freeman was going to LSU. LSU, so. exactly. Which is yeah, you're you're speaking my language. Shots um, fired, shots fired. But uh so my point of view on this is two things, twofold. First off, I think you gotta get hundred percent on Den Brock potentially before an exact call is made. I think uh could be a domino type situation, possibly, if that offense coordinator situation gets moved. But second off, like Chad said, I mean, just take a look at the Dan Eno situation, right? If you have the ability to go and be the running backs coach at the University of Cincinnati, where, you know, Jared Dokes and Jerome Ford had some good seasons, right? But Michael Warren, too. Yes. Well, well but he wasn't, wasn't there, yeah. You're right. So, but it's not like they were, you know, Dokes was was an all-conference performer. Ford had a good game against Georgia that one long run. But it's, it's not like you were really, like, breaking, you know, just, wow, look how amazing of a job Danny Nose is doing. And he turned it into a $2.5, $3 million job at Maryland as offensive coordinator. Now, Danny Nose does have a history with, you know, different pieces here and there. But it just proves to be a position where, you don't really need to have that be, Oh, I, you know, I need it to be that for me, but more, if I can give this, I can really have my name up high on a lot of people's radar. And if I just do a good enough job, potentially who knows it, I think it could attract a lot of names and a lot of big names if possible. I just from me. I, I mean, yeah, he, Enos did turn it into a fantastic position for himself. So I think it's going to be intriguing to see, first off, what kind of name we bring in here for that position and, you know, just kind of what they end up doing with that position once we have them here. You know, so today, obviously, huge domino falls. You got Mike Trestle named as the defense coordinator for the Bearcats, but. No. No, not named. Allegedly. Allegedly, <laughs> based off of what Pete Thamel has been saying Daniel didn't even say. He said it's looking like basically looking it's looking like, like Mike Trestle will be, but let's not put the cart before the horse. Semantics. We we, we have some we have no not semantics. We have <laughs> some journalistic integrity 
here yes. at BearcatJournal.com. I agree. It's I, not, that's what it's people not can done yet. Us. Right. Yeah, Come it's, on. we had this talk, Brent. We uh, had this talk. I know we did. I know we did. I misspoke. It's you it's get like excited. When you, the, you get excited when, when you do the committed and the signed thing. They are committed until they are signed. Committed until signed. You got to keep on saying it. But you know, it's it's like last week. Last week, I last week I found out the word infamous. Come on, I I thought infamous was just like you're famous. You know, you you it's it's famous. But I found out it's famous for bad reasons, and I was I, I'm sitting over here freaking out. Because people are saying, explain higher. to me what why this is infamous. And I was hey, like, Mickey. Wow, okay. <laughs> I was like, I gotta change that real fast. And I, I, I did change it. But yeah, so you do learn something every single day. Journalistic integrity, 100 percent So Mike Tressel looking like that. Looking like it. So that is the big news today. Of course, still questions surrounding. But I think the main thing you can always take a step back and look at is it feels pretty good not having to say, oh, my gosh, what about Coach Luke Fickle? You know, it, and I don't want to jinx this. Everyone knock on wood. But it, it just seems like it is good to have that situation kind of locked in place right now with the amount of, of forward momentum that the program has. So Luke Fickle still at the helm and other pieces are falling as they may. Before we move on, Aaron, Chad, anything left on the football program itself? I got nothing, my friend. I'm good. So we do need to touch on basketball because this is a Bearcat sports podcast. The BBP. A whole lot of adversity. So, uh, you know, not much to report here other than adversity left and right. Aaron, two games gone. You did the AAC wrap-up in football. You were, You know – all too well about game postponements, game cancellations. And right now the basketball team is currently going through it. It is tough because with a team like this, you need reps, you need chance to gain cohesion, chances to gain familiarity with each other. But when it comes to basketball, if you, if you have anything at all, the entire program (laughs) shuts down. So the, the biggest bugaboo in this situation is the fact that, they aren't even able to get on the court, any of them. And it, it, it just really is a struggle right now. But, I mean, it's a lot of film work. And, and you know, the, the birthday boy, Coach John Brandon, talks a lot about, you know, I got to check the film. I got to check the tape. And right now, during this long layoff, a lot of chances to check that tape. Well, I think all considering, the football team was – honestly really lucky by comparison with how the season ended up going for some of the football teams that were out there with the the whole COVID and and contact tracing and all that. I mean, you look at a team like Houston who, God, it felt like they couldn't get on the field for, I think what, five weeks, six weeks, something like that. It was, it was insane. Um, And it's, it's a, it's kind of just a wackadoo season anyway. I mean, you talk about what you would normally have compared to what they have right now. We would never have played Xavier game two of uh, with a, a team like this coming on to the floor like I, and I, I don't mean that they're bad I'm, I just mean that the fact that there was no cohesion there was no you know team unity or anything like that because I think they'd only been on the floor together a handful of times prior to their right. first game against uh, Lipscomb so it's just a weird weird season I mean you can look at Kentucky you can look at North Carolina you can look at uh, Duke, none of them being in the top 25 for, I believe, the first time since, I want to say it was either 1963 or 1961. 
61. Yeah. So that, I mean, it's, it's a weird season. There's really no denying that at all. So, so that tweet was tossed around and I said, okay, so throw in the Bearcats into that equation as well. Cause I, I mean, I don't, I'm not an encyclopedia off the top of my head, but I would imagine they were ranked from 61, 60, 59, 58, you know, the Oscar Robertson days. So it would, it would be interesting to see how far back when all four of those teams were not in the top 25, but you know, yeah, like you said, just, just a very strange season, one where no one can really get much cohesion. You know, that, that team from Norwood's going through their similar issues as well. It seems like they, every time they have a road game on the schedule, they just, you know, don't want to go. It's, it is a strange year. This is a very strange year. Yep. And you would expect that in basketball. You know, it, it is, you know, college basketball is trying their hardest to get the games in needed in order to have that March madness. And they, they're putting the parameters in, they're putting the, 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 the loopholes that needed to be going through to make it happen. And these teams are trying, I mean, you gotta, you gotta tip your cap to them. You know, they're, they're trying, they're, they're playing and in the games that they do play, they're making it the best possible product that they can, but I I mean, it's just, didn't you bring up earlier today at some point, either on the boards or on Twitter that because of rescheduling now, they're going to be playing four teams in eight days. Yes. Yes. I, I did say that. Yeah. So they've got that. That is a crazy hypothetically, hypothetically. Right. Yeah. You know, nothing is taken for, you know, take everything with a grain of salt from here on out. And I hate to be a Debbie Downer because that is just not my style, but you know, it's just, it just seems tough to really have a super optimistic look on everything going perfectly on the schedule from here on out, including conference tournaments and postseason tournaments, uh, well, you know, whether it be NCAAs or, or anything of that sort. So I know that's hard for you because you're the eternal optimist. I know it's uh, <laughs> I've had to uh, take long looks in the mirror when it comes to that situation, but what about this though? So the NBA is just not rescheduling games. They've right. just gotten rid of that idea. At what point does the NCAA start to consider that? Well, you know, it's it's crazy. You look at at you know women's college basketball, and you have teams. It seems like a new team every day is kind of canceling the rest of their season. And you know, obviously, it's it's based off of what they view and and you know whether they can work it here or there or things of that sort. You know, kind of. I believe they did a minimum of 13 games has to be played in order to be considered for the NCAA tournament. I, I could be wrong there. That's not, something they're gonna, that's not something they're going to vote on after the fact to make sure that somebody who hasn't played enough games can get in, right? I, I don't know. I mean, that's that's just wanted to make sure that that wasn't going to be. It seems thing. like a Big Ten, you know, sort of thing where you can create rules along the way. You know what I mean? Because – you have to, and and I'm okay with it, honestly. A lot, of didn't like, <laughs> a lot of people didn't like the ability for for you know Ohio State to play in the Big Ten championship, but in in a year where you cannot have anything go exactly as planned, I'm okay with having different different side routes and different angles to make things happen. But I, I don't disagree. That's that's completely fair. Yeah. So I I think the parameters that they laid down in the beginning, I'm sure they're going to completely switch those up, but. As far as completely canceling games, I think they're going to try their hardest to get every game in that they can. But, you know, I it, this was in a group chat that we were speaking earlier today was that, you know, how these, you know, the the lower conferences, if you will, you know, the 
the low major conferences have been, you know, they go to these, these back-to-back games. They go to, you know, you, you play, you know, SIU Eversville back-to-back nights, you know what I mean? They, to, to get in as many games as possible. And I think obviously with, you know, money and TV deals and things of that sort, they probably weren't able to do that, but it would have been interesting if the larger conferences did go that route to try and get in as many games as possible and kind of have the teams in a center location for a weekend, if you will, and just kind of make it happen. Cause it's just, it has been tough, man. Trying to, it, it seems like every day you've got a new cancellation and, yep. and things of that sort. So, you know, the, the hope is to continue to get as many games as possible in. So, I guess my question, Aaron, is after the long layoff, whenever the Bearcats do come back, what are what what's one thing that you really want to see out of this team? I want to see if Zach Harvey can continue his maturation. Um, I think that's one of the things that I've been most excited about. He came in super highly touted as one of the higher recruits of the last, I don't know, decade or so. And right. so, you know, just to see him evolve as this player coming off the bench. And I feel like he's really kind of swallowed his pride in his new role as I think that people thought it was a foregone conclusion when he came in that he'd probably be starting by as a sophomore. Right. Uh, and that's just not the case. So I don't know. I'm, I'm just wildly intrigued to see how that evolution comes along. And I'm also just kind of excited to see how much more this team continues to run small ball, because that's been when really we've been at our best, uh, except for, you know, the nine minutes or so that Chris vote showed that, he could still be the Chris vote that we knew last year. So between those things, uh, those are probably the things that I'm, I'm keeping my eye on most. What about you? I, you know, I'm, I'm all with you on the uh, Zach Harvey. I, I mean, eight of 12 from deep in his last four games, you know, he finally started shooting the ball more 10 shots at Wichita state. It could have been the, in front of his, his, you know, family and the crowd and, you know, hometown and, and kind of felt felt it going for him, but I mean, yeah, know, 15, I, I agree. He's, he seemed way less hesitant than he has been. Yeah, yeah, I love it, and and I just just the continued maturation of Zach Harvey. I'm, I mean, you got to remember he he was a reclassification player. He was a player, of course, coming off of a off of a major injury in high school, and of course was was labored with with similar just nagging injuries this past off season late going at it this year, but still, I mean, you go 15 at UCF, eight against Tulsa, 13 at SMU, 19 at Wichita State. You know, it, it just seems like he's clicking. So I hope, you know, this layoff doesn't hurt anyone, obviously. You know, you saw on the football team, when they had their first layoff with this, with this just frustrating 2020, now 2021 situation, they came back and looked just dominant. Well, you know? Some of the shots that he's taking and making – yeah. Shots that I don't believe that really anybody else on the floor are right. even willing to take, and there's no shot that they're making them. <laughs> how about how about his rainbow three? That's uh you know saying like just some of the shots that he's taking, he's he's roughly you know three to five feet behind the line, and he's just throwing these just so the, his arc is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, just, drops in at almost a 90 degree angle by the time it's going into the hoop. It's wild. I think a lot of it, as you mentioned, is just, just that confidence level continuing to rise, but you know, I don't know. Like I, I just hope more cohesion, more uh, kind of hit the ground running when they do come back. You know, the, the worst case scenario is of course, just, I, I mean, some tough games coming up, just a 
very tough, tough stretch coming up. You know, the the trip at Temple. Temple just had a big win against, I believe it was UCF or maybe it was Tulsa. And, but I mean, you're you're looking at games just where there's no gimme. Uh, this comes at the worst time, the worst situation for the Bearcats because, you know, not only did they have this, you know, back-to-back games against teams that they probably have a good chance to win against ECU and then Tulane, a good chance to kind of just get their feet underneath them. Now you're going at Temple, at Houston, who is just – who. You know, Chad, good, Chad's good friend, John Rothstein, said is the is the Memphis of the Conference USA, which I thought was just laughable. That's not even I saw that. I'm not even here to defend them. So. Okay. Okay. Well, well, Chad's not here. I, I had it in the low, the, the small box of the corner. But Aaron, the, the Memphis of Conference USA is what you're going to call Houston. I, I mean, yeah, Houston's good this year. You know, they were good last year, but. I am not looking forward to that game being on a national spotlight on yeah. ESPN2 at noon on Saturday. I thought it was CBS. Uh, I'm looking right now. I'm, I'm sorry. You're right. I was looking at the wrong one. That was the Temple yep. game that was supposed to be on ESPN2. I did yep. a CBS. I read it wrong. I read the internet yeah. wrong. Go figure. Uh, but, no, I mean, it's it's on a weekend. I mean, it could have been one of those 5 o'clock games, and I would have been totally okay with it on a, on a Thursday randomly. Instead, yeah. we get Houston at noon. And of course, when you're making the schedule, Cincinnati coming back as you know, uh, just ha- having the share of the AAC championship last season, you, you're thinking probably this is going to be a big matchup. It's not the case this year. So no, I, I don't. I don't feel good about it at all. No, and and you know, Chad has returned to the chat. Um, I was just mentioning how Chad's good friend John Rothstein mentioned that Houston is the. The, the Memphis of Conference USA days in respect to the AAC. So, you know, you got to take uh, take that word for gold. So, you know, a, a big chance for the Bearcats to make a huge statement at CBS on Saturday if that game is to happen. Cross your fingers because right now that's about all you can do is cross your fingers and knock on wood. If we needed more time because COVID to prepare for this game, I would not at all be upset. <laughs> yeah, so we will uh, we will see what happens. Hopeful that that happens. But before we wrap up, let's go ahead and get to these questions, Aaron. We have already answered a couple of them. The uh, BBP mailbag. I love this idea. Fantastic idea. This was Aaron's idea, and yeah. I think it's is uh, it could be something that we continue to keep going as the news continues to be somewhat slow, especially during the uh, once basketball wraps up. It'd be good to have these going throughout the off seasons as well. So we touched on the uh, Savage 7. That one's gone. So next question is, uh, what do you really know about the attempts to get into the Power 5 conference? And, you know, it, this is just a, a question that is continuously tossed around. Uh, is the movement to a Power 5 conference a tip of the cap to UC Doc? Thanks for the question. Aaron, take it away. Oh, yeah. That's the, that's the one you kicked to me. I should be the one reading these. Come on, man. Um, I mean, of course, we want to go into another conference. And every yeah. coach that comes in, whether it be one John Brannon, whether you're talking about Mick, whether you're talking about Luke Fickle, whether you're talking about, you know, just it doesn't really matter who's here as far as coach goes. It doesn't really matter as, as far as who's here when you're talking about ADs. You look at John Cunningham. You look at Mike Bone. I mean, they're all trying to do the same thing. It's the fact that right now, just due to TV contracts where they are and trying to let people in. I mean, honestly, 
I think the writing was on the wall when Cincinnati kind of took the loophole route when the AAC redid their TV contract. Um, right. And Cincinnati said, well, we kind of want a, an out clause and they got it. Uh, so, so yeah, there's, I think everybody knows that we're trying to do what we can to get into the P5. Winning doesn't hurt any of that. Yes. So it, it's just a matter of, honestly, I think it's a matter of, of when, not if. Um, right. it's just a matter of everything lining up. I mean, people have been talking about for, I feel like, more than a decade that instead of the Power Five, we're at some point going to go to only four conferences and each conference was going to have 16 teams. That way you had just a smooth 64. Who knows what's going to happen? But yeah, I mean, they're, everybody's doing their damnedest. I mean, Santa Ono did maybe more than anybody. And unfortunately he's not here anymore, but he, he you know, everybody's been trying since they've been here. Yeah. You know, obviously I agree hundred percent with what you're saying. It, it's uh, I think when, when Cunningham took over at AD, I think there were, there were two, objectives for him one was to keep Luke Fickle at the helm as the head coach and then number two work towards the uh, upward movement to a a larger conference in the p5 so I I mean obviously he's getting something that no one has ever expected tossed to him and uh, when you're dealt that hand you've got to figure out how to make a royal flush out of a bunch of you know fours and sevens don't know poker too well. I'm more of a Euchre guy, but you know, it's, 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 uh, I think obviously that's an, that's an objective. It it is a big objective. And I don't think that changes with the craziness that's happened. I think that it's always going to be in the back of their mind. And like you mentioned, people always talk about it. I think that realignment thread that, you know, conference realignment thread, I don't, I was trying to see if it was on the first page. I'm surprised it's not. I, I I believe that one might've set, uh, set records for how long West Side Jesus might have pushed that one out how many posts and yeah it's uh it's crazy because I I mean obviously that that will be something that everyone wants and I think it's a a a task and a and a goal of course constantly throughout all this so uh question number two uh I'm gonna ask you this one because I I don't know how to touch on this the way that you probably could so do you think Vince McConnell can move to offensive tackle and be effective and also can Cam Jones move to offensive guard and that Thank comes you, from Arizona Bearcat. <clears throat> Thank you, Arizona Bearcat. Yes, um, yes for Vince McConnell and the movement to offensive tackle. Um, I think you know, obviously, you brought in Tunstall to be that left tackle. You're going to give him the the first chance there. Uh, right tackle, possibly for McConnell. I think McConnell was spectacular at guard, but I think yes, I think Ron Crook's going to try any different variation up front can go with one that works the best. And as for part two in that question about Cam Jones, um, absolutely not. Uh, he is currently still in the tight end room. And if he, oh, oh, no, he's I, not. I, well, I think we have breaking, breaking news. Breaking before news. we get there, I just wanted to point out, I, I feel like Chad found out this week that anybody on the offensive line can pretty much play anywhere at any given moment. Breaking news, breaking news. Uh, Cam Jones is not in the tight end room anymore, to my understanding. He has been moved to defensive end. No. Offensive tackle. Yes. Back to quarterback. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So. Uh, my my understanding is he is uh, he is entering the winter program with the tackles. Okay. So add a, add that name to the tackle group uh, on Vinny. He was given the opportunity to show what he can do at tackle 
and Mets finished and third in a race behind Mets and Harper. Right. Uh, he has found a home where he has been very solid at guard. My guess would be he stays at right guard. That's that's what I think too. But I I also think I mean you're looking at Jeremy Cooper who was not good coming off the injury and was he wasn't. you know he struggled bad. Yeah, he he struggled bad. But who's to say he doesn't put in a lot of work this off season? All of a sudden, you know, Coach Crook sees wow. I I I think that Cooper is ready to take back over a guard position. I think that O'Quinn can flip flop at either guard spot. Um, but yeah, I think you can kind of mesh together anything you want, but that is breaking moves right here on the BBP one cam Jones, who came in as a highly prolific quarterback goes to tight end. <laughs> oh, come on. He, he was a highly rated recruit goes to tight end as and an athlete. Then, yes. a highly rated recruit as an athlete, as an athlete. Correct. And now he's going to tackle. He's, and I like he's, he's, he's that athletic. He's athleting himself closer and closer to the to ball. The position he was supposed on to the line of screen. Yeah, he's, <laughs> a, he's he's naturally okay. So most guys aren't have to like work their way up to to three hundred the three hundred pound club, right? Cam Jones is naturally 6'8", 285 pounds. Yes, like he is an offensive tackle. They have allowed him to chase his dreams. Uh, I think there is a, a point in the future where you could see him as maybe like a tackle eligible type guy, mm-hmm. but he is big. He is a good athlete and he's him. an offensive tackle. And, and you know what? I like That's it. where we're going to see him going forward. I think I like it because you know what? The main thing that I always see, I, you know, I looked at Cam Jones back when, back at uh camp higher ground and he was at quarterback and he decided one time to just take that ball, lower his shoulder. I'm not going to say who he laid out on this run because we don't do that here. We do not put people under the bus like that. But he absolutely – But he actually, actually put someone under a bus. I was going to say, was he the bus? Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. He, he, he demolished him. He demolished him, picked up 18 more yards after that. So I think what you can gather through that is that, yes, Cam Jones is an athlete, but more importantly, he is a football player and he understands what to do. A big body. Excited to see what he does at the tackle position. But I think I, I think you have a better chance of, of Vinnie McConnell moving to tackle than you do Cam Jones at guard. Is my point. You, <clears throat> name one six foot eight, three hundred pound guard. I can't. You you stumped me. You can't. Well, you can't. Oh, LeBron James, kind of. He's a forward man. But don't. Sh- no, it's kind of point guard, point forward. Point, but anyway, forward. Hey, whole different conversation. The, the, re- the reason you don't see a six foot eight guard is because they have to stand up, and quarterbacks generally are not six foot nine. No, no, not at all. So, um, yeah, I don't think Cam Jones has any chance to be a guard, but good to hear he moved to the tackle position. Ron Crook can mold him any way he wants to out on that outside. So excited to see what he does. But now, Aaron, this is my favorite question that was given to us from UC Merck 17. Is there what is there going to be more of 2021 high school basketball recruits or losses? By the 2021-2022 Bearcat football team. Well, we're already at seven losses, and to my understanding, there aren't that many scholarships available. So I think that's an easy one. We already have enough losses to. What? 
No, no, no. The, Reading the comprehension's team. not your thing, Aaron. The football team, Aaron. Aaron, we're talking oh. next year's football team. I stopped reading when we got to basketball. I didn't see – I just saw Bearcat team. Um, yeah. That is a good, good question. question then. I'm going to go – none of us think that we're going to lose next year, right? Is that, is that what you think? <laughs> Maybe it's a draw. <laughs> so zero and zero. Or one, one. Okay. My push. guess – Push. My guess is one – High school basketball recruit. Okay. Okay. And that's if 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 everyone on the current team stays, and that's if I'm not going to start any speculation at all. I'm just saying if everything stays as pat, and the you know wrap gone, the two seniors graduate and move on, then I think that with those three open scholarships, they get one high school player and two. Transfers, okay? Yeah. So that would mean, is this football team going to go undefeated, which would mean likely a national championship? Undefeated, never lost. Possibly. Um, I think the worst case scenario is scholarships become available in basketball. You go maybe two high school players and possibly a, a bit of a stumble in one of the two tough road games in the football season and then possibly a loss in a bowl game or something along those lines. The eternal optimist doesn't think we're going to lose. No, I don't. I really don't. So let's go with, uh, <laughs> I, I like the, I like the, uh, how about this more high school basketball recruits than I was on the Bearcat football team. We'll leave it at that. I'm calling a push. Chad, I do want to hear just your quick answer on that one. He doesn't even have his headphones in. Chad, I want to hear your quick answer on that one. No. <laughs> That's what I thought. That's what I thought. And then last but not least, yet again, UC Merck, thank you. UC Merck 17, how many Bearcats will have their name called at the draft over under 1.5 being called on day two or earlier? Aaron, quick guesses. Where they're being projected right now, um, from what we heard before they go into what the NFL just released as its uh, NFL combine rules, which are bananas, Okay. Um, I mean, I think we can. Well, we'll go ahead and expand on that real quick. What are the rules? I didn't go too deep into them as I was trying to read up on uh, the boards and everything, be preparing for this. Right. But what I've seen is essentially, uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't even feel good trying to give a full description on it. Just go go read them. They're out there publicly. Okay. Um, okay. But what I've seen of that's, that's is, great podcasting, Aaron. You really yeah, nailed great. it. I didn't read them. Really enough. nailed it. <laughs> you got me really nailed it but Aaron I'll be way under, I'll be over under. under. I, yeah I think under but I don't think way under I think one I think one gets drafted in, in the first two days we saw one last year with, with Josiah DeGuara we saw a team fall in love with Josiah I think a team can fall in love with James Hudson um, that's the one opportunity because Chad and I we back before all this crazy, you know, COVID stuff was going on. Uh, I was able to see James Hudson and just visually he looks, he, he looks exactly like a left tackle in the NFL. He just has size. He has that athletic build to him. You know, he's, he's not super gutty. He's, he, he just looks like, looks the part. 
And for his whatever. measurables are going to probably be pretty great. And then you look at his tape, and he, he put out some pretty doggone good tape as well. I think some team is going to fall in love with him, and that's what kind of makes me think, okay, here we go. For whatever it's worth, he was uh, he was drafted the highest on the rookie class that I downloaded on Madden. Uh, he was taken in the he was taken in the fifth round in Madden. Fifth round, fifth round. Okay, okay. And then of course the the other players with the ability to possibly get drafted. Looking at James Wiggins, I think he does get his name called. I am all for Derek Force getting his name called. I come on, tell me tell me a player you don't want to have on your special teams with the upside to do even more. Then a Derek Forrest, I think he could be spectacular as a late rounder. Uh, Jarrell White, obviously another similar player to Forrest, kind of just all over the place. You know, that 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 cockroach in a good way is what he has constantly been mentioned as. And then you look at, of course, you know, a, a James Smith, if you want to go that direction. Elijah Ponder, if he tears up a little bit in the senior bowl games, the senior games. Um I think I worry really about Ponder with his length, man. If you're going to be an edge guy in the NFL, you got to be long, and he's yeah. not right long. Like, which is what Freeman said, you know. It's he it, it, is he big enough to be an interior guy in the NFL I, in a four three? Eh. Right. He's, he's, eh. Right. I, he's outstanding, and I think he's going to get a chance somewhere. Right. I I don't know if a draft pick gets spent on him. Hudson's really the only one I see going in rounds two or three, probably three. Um, but a lot of that depends on does he have a good, you know, cycle circuit right. here leading up to the draft uh, as to whether somebody falls in love with them. Um, I just I, I, I only see one possibility right now. Day day two. Right. Right. Next year, we're going to have a different conversation. I right, know. That's what I was going to say. Now, now you wait a year. Man. Dez, uh, Majay, Sauce. Sauce. We're going to have if, a different conversation next year. I mean, Wiley. Wiley, Wiley. possibly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What, if, what if Alec Pierce blows up? I mean, I, I do have an update for you. This year, yeah. all on field workouts will be conducted at on-campus pro days, the league will try to have as much uniformity in the on-field drills as possible to give teams the ability to compare the workouts from one site to another. All interviews between the prospects and team officials will be conducted virtually, as will the psychological testing. The medical exams, for the most part, are expected to be conducted in a combination of virtual interviews between players and each team's medical staff. To go with exams done at medical facilities near the prospect's home campus, a select number of prospects will be asked to travel to one or more designated sites for a more comprehensive exam, and that's courtesy of ESPN. There you go. Good work. You know, here's here's my question. Here's my question now. Is the NFL going to come up with a new Zoom? If if so, you got we got to get on that. Stock will will skyrocket. You know, NFL Zoom. Maybe you call it NFL NFL Loom or something along those lines. They endorse with Microsoft. I'm sure Microsoft has something right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously that's. That and that is the epitome of uh, sports in the year 2020-2021. So, you know, I I think yes, I think there will be a good amount of draft picks. The over under, I'm sticking at one. Uh, I think someone will fall in love with James Hudson. Um, and then outside of that, a lot of good players. It, you know, Elijah Ponder. Do you think of like a like a Marquise Copeland Chad? Is that what you kind of think of? Where he's going to stick? Maybe not get drafted. I Cope was picked up. I don't know. Um, 
a lot of a lot of upside with similar his, with similar but cope was bigger i think yeah he did have a little bit more size and and cope but. spent a lot of time playing that that three technique right spot so uh i don't know if i compare him you know that similarly to cope i i really do think if like if, if I'm a, a three, four defense, a three down front, Ponder is a guy I look at for that strong side edge. Yeah. But I, I think he's very specific in what a team would be looking for. So he, you know, he, he doesn't have the wide array of choices that some other guys have, but I do think there is a spot for him certainly in the NFL. Well, and plenty of guys have gone even undrafted that have been successful from Cincinnati in the NFL yeah. as well. Yeah. It's just a much, especially with everything going on, how much camp do you get? How much, how much rookie camp do you get? I think that's going to be important. You know, it's. Good news is we have 10 games of tape as opposed to some teams having not 10 games. Right. Okay. <laughs> I mean, he's, you know, a lot of these guys have a lot of games to take, including last year. So um, we'll see. It, 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 it's a, it's a, a lot of fringe in this class, especially with, you know, the guys that decided to come back. So a lot of fringe guys, some guys I don't think should be fringe guys, but I get the concern with like Forrest. The, the concern will be as a coverage guy, where exactly does he fit, um, you know, being able to cover NFL-level slot, NFL-level tight end. I think he can cover the tight end position pretty well. Um, so I think I, – I mean, Forrest is one of those guys, I think, when he gets into an interview room and really sits down with NFL teams, they're going to be like the Cincinnati staff was and fall in love with him. So I could see him – round five, round six, somewhere in there, uh, depending on, you know, what his 40 times look like, how he looks like he shapes up. I, I hate to say this, but I don't think we're going to be allowed in pro day. Not surprised. Sounds about right. It, it's, it's probably going to be indoor in the bubble. Um, and with the NFL taking a much larger hand in things, I'm guessing we're probably not going to be invited, which stinks because I'd really like to be there to see how some of these guys that are going to be right on the fringe of the draft kind of play out for this group. If you somehow find your way in, that would be the least surprising thing out of everything. But <laughs> You probably won't hear about it if I do, but I might. That's Maybe. even less surprising. We'll see. Fire up the, uh, fire up the, the BCJ. Oh, what's that thing that hovers? Come on. What's that thing that the dr- that, the drone the drone the BCJ drone My the name drone is not going to do much good certainly Inside. outside outside the bubble he comes in in full disguise yeah my name is Brad Chendel <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't work with me my voice is a dead <laughs> giveaway thanks for having me dead Brad Chendel here not yeah. to not to NFL execs it's fine yeah we'll see. <laughs> I think we we'll should see. send Saren Ameth and <laughs> Saren Ameth, bcj.com. I like it. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, 
I think this is this is the start of something. You know, I think uh, going into last, you know, last offseason thinking, okay, who's going to get drafted out of the, the the groups that we really put forward? You know, obviously we all kind of thought DeGuara was going to be, got drafted a little bit higher than thought. Uh, you know, the, the whole Michael Warren situation was a little bit disappointing. You wanted to see him go, you know, obviously get drafted at all. Um, kind of slipped and, and still working his way around. But I think this is just the start of something that you're going to see a lot. I think you're going to see a lot more Bearcats getting their names called at the NFL draft as things continue to move this way, especially when you see Luke Fickle's name mentioned in the NFL. When, when Fickle's name gets bigger and bigger, you're going to see – more, more NFL execs really like the, the point of view of Coach Luke Fickle. We didn't but, even touch on the Philly rumor. That was wild for a minute. Yeah. I mean, you're going to get rumors if you're if you're a good coach. So that's that's all good things. But you know what? I I thought this was a pretty pretty doggone good uh, BBP. Any uh, anything else you guys want to spill out? A, a quick mention, another commitment to the. Football team and the class of uh, 2021. Uh, pardon me, 2022. I think, uh, yeah, I think they are still well on their way, even though the Savage Seven faltered out. Got a lot of a lot of forward momentum. We saw a couple other big names setting uh, commitment dates and uh, Doggett as well as in basketball, CJ Gunn. So we'll see what happens for those. But I, man, I, I tell you what, the the Mike Tressel. He has great connections, and uh, including a Pickerington, a couple other places that are have a lot of a lot of big name players getting ready to make their decisions when it comes to where they're going to play college football. So, um, excitement on the horizon, but a lot going on here. Anything else from the both of you guys? Yeah, before we get out of here, I did want to thank everybody who did submit questions to us for our first mailbag. And like you said, I mean, I think it was a good time to get some of those questions in. I like to get to the point where we're having to pick and choose which questions we even have time for because we're getting such an influx. But uh, thanks again to those who did write in. Yeah, let's say UC Merck, 17, early uh, early MVP on the mailbag. So, yep, keep them coming. Uh, Chad, anything from you, my brother? Nope, I'm good. I talked for three hours on the radio and then was here for 90 minutes. I'm, uh, I'm four and a half hours. I'm done talking for the day. Man, you got a, you've, you've got a voice just made for it, baby. A I do. Voice. I do. You're right. You're right. A face for radio. There we go. Oh, I don't know. You're a little cute. You're good. I don't know what to do no right now. I'm so uncomfortable. <laughs> let's, uh, let's close it out with the uncomfortability. I like, uh, I like to leave it open-ended. Let, uh, let the crowd decide which way. I told it you at the beginning. I didn't ask for any of this. <laughs> well, hey, yes, you, you did. <laughs> he, he did. This is, ex- this is exactly what you asked for. Forgot sir. dad was still in the chat. Welcome to the big show, Aaron. Welcome I didn't invite show. you here. You invited yourself, damn it. I don't know about all that, but <laughs> I got the tapes. It's fine. Burn the tapes. Burn the tapes. <laughs> Golly. You you oh. should know by now I keep the receipts. That's my job. Burn the tapes. I thought that was a I thought that was a closed conversation on a phone. Yeah, we well, text. You know, you know. Always recording. Nobody's oh, paying nobody nobody's paying you to think, sir. Content, content, <laughs> content. <laughs> Golly. Sign Get us, us out of here. here. Let's go. <laughs> well, hey, hey, you know what? It was a good one today. Thank you all for listening. Like Aaron said, thank you for the questions. 
Get those coming on the mailbag. We will drop those. Let's let's do it every Sunday. Give them a give them a day to get questions in. Thanks, Mike Tressel, for giving us content. <laughs> yep, yep. Mike Tressel did did uh, did his best, and can't wait to see how. Oh, oh well, it's not official yet. If he ends up signed, right? Journalistic integrity, Aaron. I said it. Thanks for giving us content. That's not we, on me. We just learned this. <laughs> I'm just joking. All right. Well, hey, for uh, for Aaron Smith and Chad Brendel, I am Brent Young. Thanks again for listening. This was the BBP on BearcatJournal.com. Have a good one. See ya.